Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hey everybody, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is RJ, I'm here with Jonathan and Matt. Hey guys. Howdy. It's episode 126, we're back, we're barely, we're barely back from MSG, barely back. Um, it's 2018, everything's going to be different this year, and uh, man, I don't even know where to start, but I will start by saying that um, I had a blast at MSG, I think I could speak for Matt by saying that he had a blast at MSG. I think Jonathan had not a blast. What? No, I I had a blast. <laughs> I just wanted it was to create, grief, but it just, was a blast. Just wanted to create a little tension. Uh, Matt, did you have a blast at MSG? I had a gas. Yes. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. No, it was a it was a killer killer weekend. 
Unbelievable. Um, so what we're going to do for this episode, we're going to first just chat a, a, amongst ourselves with you as the observer out there listening. Um, and then we're going to drop into the live event that we did at American Beauty on December 29th. Um, the last live podcasting event at American Beauty. Um, <laughs> and I will say that it, it was really fun. Um, we had a couple interviews. We um, talked with... with um, Pete from Fan Art, and anyway, it's it's worth listening to. So hang on for that. We're just going to chat about the whole run really quick, and um, then get into that. But um, we got to see Polly Vamp play after we were done with our event. They were really good. Um, they really Matt, were. I just want to chime in and with agreement because I had not really heard them before, and I really enjoyed them. They're really cool. And Matt, thanks for setting that all up. It was good to to get get sort of on the same stage with them and be able to to do that. Yeah, it's um, we we really found the the right way to do a live podcasting event at American Beauty. Uh, everything came together. Um, moving it down onto the main stage for those of you who, who were there over the summer, uh, we actually were in the main room at American Beauty and played uh, or, or got up and did our thing for a while before Polyvan came out. Perfected the model and uh, did such a great job that we just blew up American Beauty and it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's done. that's it it's done and it actually i think it actually is done right yeah i believe yeah. that is this case but <sighs> which is a shame because uh i really like that place um they were i went there after the after the one show i went to i went back there after uh after you and i parted ways at whatever yep. ungodly hour it was rj after we had pizza yeah i wandered back in there and uh got a beer and went upstairs and listened to really loud grateful dead for a while and that was that was awesome Man, it was was it still pretty crowded at that hour? Yeah, there were a lot of folks until wow. I left to go catch my three a.m. train. That is incredible. Um, it's a good spot, and and, and um, we appreciate them them having us. Hope all those awesome sound sound people and the bartenders and everyone else find find a spot because that they're all good, really good people there. Um, so, do you guys want to jump in to just kind of overall takeaways? I, I have I have sort of anecdotal takeaways from my perspective but um should we start with just our our takeaways from the run overall and then dive into to each show individually sure yeah matt do you want to start yeah i mean i think that uh in overall they they definitely picked up where they left off with baker's dozen um a really really great run of shows things felt very familiar once again inside of the garden uh, I was there as as you were RJ for the um, last three nights. Uh, didn't make it to the twenty eighth, um, but you know, uh, smiling faces all around from the crowd, from the staff inside. Um, you know, the I, I I've mentioned this before. I usually like to check in with the people working at these venues that we invade, and everybody at the Garden um, serving beer, serving food. The ushers was just super happy to have us there again. Uh, they seemed like they we were definitely welcomed back. Um, musically, I thought it was amazing. I think it was probably the best New Year's run in at least, you know, the last few, um, really solid four shows. Uh, you know, we can get into that a little bit, show, a little bit more show by show, uh, after this third and fourth shows were probably better than the, uh, the first two by a pretty good margin. 
Um, but I, you know, really nothing to complain about uh, among the four. And um, you know, I think the only thing I could complain about for the entire weekend was the cold. Uh, it was kind of a bummer, you know, having to rush in and out of places after being able to just sort of hang out outside so much over the summer. Um, really, you know, appreciated the, having the nice weather that we had last summer. But, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, a really awesome time. Yeah, I'm really disappointed in fish for not arranging better weather. Um, <laughs> they should have they, done they it. They seem to think of everything else, but they just... <laughs> They should have done it. It's bullshit, really. I mean, yeah, totally. That's, I mean, come in, on. In New York City, anything is possible. That's what this podcast is now about. Is about how why fish doesn't control the weather. Um, I'm just saying they could tent the few blocks around the garden, and it would be perfect. That's a good Listen, point, man. If if Pete Shapiro can make a rainbow, then fish should be more than capable of making it like, you know, 70 degrees around Madison Square Garden for four days in December. I'd have settled for 45. Hey, there you go. It was very, in case anyone um, who's listening has not heard, um, it was very, very, very cold. Um, I think it was in the teens most of the time. Uh, and I think it was like high in the teens. Saturday and Sunday. When I was there on Friday, the high temperature for Friday was 26. But by the time I got off the train at three something, it, it was that was done and gone. It was not getting that warm. I mean, everyone was so prepared for the cold. Like I had several layers and gloves and hats, and I don't usually come that prepared. And just because people talked about it so much, so normally I hate when people just talk about the weather. But it was actually helpful for reminding me that it was going to be like incredibly um, difficult weather-wise. So I felt grateful because I was all bundled. We were all bundled up. Yeah, but you needed to, um, Jonathan. I uh, I couch toured most of this. I only saw the twenty ninth. Um, but I had a really nice time couch touring and I really enjoyed the music, um, all four nights really. And yeah, they probably peaked out a lot harder the last two, but I think that all, all the shows have a lot of really good stuff to offer, um, from the bag opener that just kind of was a good statement on the first night, good Roger and, all that stuff through to we had a big chalk dust torture, which credit to RJ for calling that uh, that afternoon on the second night. And, and right. And then the big disease steam sequence and the tweezer in the first set and all that stuff the other night. And then, of course, big just a big ass New Year's show, like a properly done big ass New Year's show. I haven't seen nearly the complaining about the gag that we've had in a couple of the previous years. Um, not that I really care if people complain. It doesn't really bother me because I enjoyed what they did. I wasn't there, but I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I, my daughter, Piper's 14. She stayed up with my wife and I, and we were playing games and watching the show. And, nice. You know, got a got a kick out of what we were seeing on the, on the screen when it went down. It was... Just great stuff. And I agree with Matt also. It felt like they were picking up where they left off. I don't know if I said this on stage at American Beauty, if I said it to someone else. Just after the first night, I felt like we were really experiencing the new normal for fish. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean that they're always going to be on a sailboat. I just mean that fish is... (laughs) They, they're come. They're going to come out charging. You know, first set jams are a thing. The 
first set songs, second set songs is bullshit and it doesn't matter anymore. Um, they're going to do what they do. Now, there's always potential for a little fourth quarter nonsense or what have you, but even that usually pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Some of the people on the internets were saying that um, maybe the best holiday run overall since oh three, which which I heard a few a few people say whose opinions I value. Um, I think it's maybe the best holiday run since the since the nineties. I mean, there were like two thousand twelve was good. There were some good shows in the two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen, but to get this level across four shows is i think pretty incredible i mean granted i was there so i'm biased i saw one person suggest 98 Mm. like best since 98 um i think that's kind of deliberately discounting 99 because it Mm. wasn't really a run yeah because you can't Uh, it's kind of a unique thing and i you know but uh i don't know does it matter what we yes. have here is four great <laughs> shows. It may it matters to some people, clearly. I, I'm just I'm just not really <laughs> here to put, put anything point. in order other you than know, chronologically. I, I will say I think one way that it matters is I don't know about you guys, I, I usually try to chime out a lot of other people's opinions. Um if I don't agree with them. Uh, but <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> Yeah, the hell with uh, those. It, it's let, let me put that a different way. The, I have an appreciation for what they have tended to do with things like the new year's gag, um, in recent years. And I know that there's a lot of people that don't like the stuff that leans a little bit more towards the Broadway ish theatrical kind of stuff. And that's fine. They can have those opinions and and you don't have to love it. Um, it is a bummer though, as opposed to a lot of other shows when it's like you go and you have a good time and somebody's like, yeah, I wasn't really feeling that one. When you really enjoy something and you come home and people spend the next 12 months basically acting like fish did something horrible to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, like once again, I mean, you didn't have to love the Petrogor thing last year. I, I thought it was really cool. I had a very big appreciation for it. I valued um, the third set where there was a lot of extra musicians because that's something that doesn't happen very often. And they've actually been vocal about saying we don't like having other musicians on stage with us these days. Um, Yep. But so it was cool then, I think, to have this year where there, there didn't there weren't really people saying like, oh, those wristbands were super cheesy or like the whole boat thing was stupid or anything like that. And in fact, quite the opposite. A lot of people that bitched about the the song selection last year were praising the song selection in the third set this year. So I don't know if this was a direct reaction, you know, I by the band, f- if they if they got that feedback. But I, I will say from a fan perspective, it's very refreshing to not have to put up with that right now. I, I don't feel like they're... I don't feel that it's likely that Fish is responding to that feedback. I don't think they care. I think that in their own bubble, because of course everybody's in a bubble, in their own bubble they're probably mostly hearing the positive. Uh, but I would also say to the people who don't like things like the Petrichor or or even what happened uh, this past New Year's or some of the other years in recent time uh since in 3.0 that they probably shouldn't go to new year's shows because that's what fish wants to do with their new year's shows it's pretty clear yeah i mean clear that's what's gonna happen (laughs) like yeah go to the other three there's raging stuff without big theatrics at three out of those four shows 
And if you can't hang with a little theatrics, I do think that it was a little toned down and uh, I agree with you, Matt. You know, it was a little more focus on the band performing. There was stuff going on, but it wasn't as uh, quite yeah. as uh, choreographed or maybe it was pretty chore- well choreographed, but it didn't affect the way the band performed so much. No. I mean, it also, stuff. It, was, it was the least effort that they personally probably had to put into any, I mean, New Year's Eve gag probably in like 10 years. I mean, they, right. the, it's not like the boat thing was easy to pull off, but it wasn't in, in well, terms yeah, of scope they weren't and ambition. Con- they weren't con- constructing it. All they had to do exactly. was play Soul Planet and vamp on a uh, four chord song. Which is cool. For, I'm, not mad, I'm not mad at them. I don't need Trey to like clock 40 hours, you know, designing a fucking New Year's Eve gag. Oh, no, they want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I good think with it. I just anecdotally I was thinking about this last night. I I um I had such a good time and um this is the first show since I think maybe since Magnaball where I didn't travel to shows with my at least one of my children um and that really affected my experience. So like I had I was able to completely enjoy the shows I had no expectations whatsoever going in, which is which is hard to check, as we all know. For some reason, I just wasn't worried about what songs they play because I just felt lucky to like be able to go to the shows. So I feel like, for me personally, the lack of expectations and the the level at which they played like intersected perfectly, along with being able to actually sleep after the shows. Um, so I just, I mean, it was one of the best fish experiences I've ever had. Um, and I, I think a lot of people felt that way, just just in terms of the the overall experience. People are on a real real high right now, which is really cool to see. I think your uh, expectation experience, coupled with the not having the responsibility on hand, uh, kind of you encountered what I get most of the time when I go to shows now. Mm-hmm. Because when I go to shows, I don't bring my kids. Mm-hmm. I rarely bring my wife, whom I love and would love to have with me at any time, any show. But uh, um, usually, it's just I'm going to a show. I'm lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they yeah. play music. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, do you think? Um, well, let me let me just say first: there are people who are like, well, people who don't live or near or, or around New York, and or who say it's expensive to get there. or that they should go somewhere else. I personally, I wouldn't mind if almost every show that I saw fish play from now forward was at Madison Square Garden. But I like outdoor shows too. But it's just such a perfect venue. What do you What do you think about that? I mean, do you think they need to switch it up next year? Do you think we won't see MSG for a while? What's your take on all of that? Yeah, I um, I, I I also love seeing them at the Garden. I could see them there pretty much an unlimited number of times. Um, or really anywhere in New York. Uh, I, you know, I, I had a fantastic time at Randall's Island. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. I thought that, I thought that was really great. Um, and you know, I think if there, if something else opened up, like let's say they play in Central Park or something like that, that would, that would be awesome. I'm very fortunate because I have a place to stay. Um, you know, usually in Manhattan when we go there, um, if we didn't have that, if we didn't have good friends that lived in the city, um, I would probably be pissed off and be stressing it constantly because, you know, hotel rooms there are expensive and difficult to get. And it would probably be the kind of situation where I was staying, you know, somewhere in Jersey and having a long hike in every day or something like that, or, or just going up for one show and taking the bus home or, or something like that. So I get it. Um, I would like to see things get 
changed up a little bit in general. Like I'm really looking forward next year to having maybe some shows at Merriweather, maybe some shows at a, you know, a festival site, um, getting some outdoor stuff, traveling around different places. Cause I do, I love the travel aspect of it too. Um, I like, like getting to, to some different places. Um, so I am looking forward to that. I've personally always thought that, um, Boardwalk Hall would be a really cool place for them to do New Year's Eve. Um, once again, I might be biased because I have a place to stay very, very close to there. Um, so it's convenient, and I, I love that venue. Um, I think it's pretty great, too. I think it's a fire I mean. trap, and I really <laughs> hope to never go into that building again. <laughs> but, Absolutely you know, terrifying, that building. But there's other people. I think it's all just someone. What I'm trying to say is, I think it's all just circumstantial. There's other people that I know who have parents or grandparents who live in Southern Florida. So every time they announce Miami, they're loving it. Um, that doesn't work for me. Typically, I had mm-hmm. one year where I was able to go because we were going on jam cruise right afterwards, and we didn't have a kid yet. Um, but if they any Miamis that they do right now would would probably not work for me. So um, I don't know. I think we're we're all. You know, we live in somewhat close proximity to each other. We all have kids. We have somewhat similar circumstances, mm-hmm. so it's easy for us to say that. But um, I would wonder what the what the community at large would think. Yeah. Well, if you're if if you have thoughts, tweet at us or email us. Send us a Facebook message. Um, and I should say thanks for listening. Um, thanks for um, everyone's support. We've gotten a lot of great feedback recently, um, just about the show, but also about this this show, not the fish shows, but both. Um, but we've also gotten a lot of tweets recently like, well, hey, when are you guys going to do a recap? So appreciate you guys being interested in what we have to say. Um, I guess for the for the 28th, so to dive into the shows, we we sort of go into detail on that, Matt, at the at, at American Beauty, which we'll we'll dive into after that. So maybe we should just jump to the 29th. Sure. Does that make sense? Um, That's fair. Yep. I was looking at, at Fishnet. This is so crazy to me because... Fish fans are funny, but um, there's already 500 and some 450, no, 500 um, ra- ratings for 1229, and it's a th- it's rated as a 3.76 um, average out of five, 380 ratings, which I just think is very um, low. But maybe that's just because I'm biased because I was there. I thought it was a really solid show, start to finish. But um, Matt, start with you because I think Jonathan and I are somewhat similar in our perspectives, but what, what was your take on the 29th? Yeah, it was solid. Um, it was definitely, a, I, I would label it as a good fish show. I think probably really just the chalk dust torture was the exceptional part of the show that really made it, you know, anything stand out. Um, maybe circumstantial as well for that. Um, RJ, you and I were together in a suite up on the 300 level. A um, little bit, Difficult to see uh, the whole night, um, but tons and tons of dancing space. And the only night that during the show I was in proximity to a lot of people that I knew. So there was a lot of socializing, hanging out, celebrating. So I I was telling people the day after, you know, I had a fun time last night and I'm looking forward to focusing tonight at the Mm -hmm. show and really taking it in um but but not to say that i thought it was not mediocre or, or anything like that I, I really did enjoy myself that uh that night what about you guys i think um, well go ahead jonathan so i was in the 100s i was near a couple of our friends uh dave from the beyond the pond was a couple rows ahead of me friend of uh, asia pod patrick was 
the next section over. So I, I touched base with those guys a little bit throughout the show. Great friend of the pod, Patrick. But I would, yeah, yes, and um, really good guy. And but mostly I was by myself. Uh, just it was me and this drunk guy next to me and his buddy who was trying to keep him from being too drunk, and um, <laughs> which Classic. was hilarious when I would interact with him because the drunk guy would say something, and his buddy would be like, "All right, shut up now," and uh, and then. <laughs> <laughs> so, but. They didn't bother me, and we had a good time. Uh, I just danced my ass off all night, straight on through. Uh, I always wanted it this way. I thought it was a good highlight. So I good. thought that was um, weird and in the right way, and I wish it were longer. Um, who was it? Somebody, Hurry Thug today on Twitter said the only problem with I always wanted it this way was at that moment I knew it wouldn't be the New Year's gag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I dig that. Uh, and Martian Monster kind of continued the the groove there. Chalk Dust was big. That's I was actually hanging out with uh, Dave at that point. He was with me at the seats. And um, I guess it was when Steering Sand, right? When Sand kicked in and then ch- threw into Chalk Dust. And that that was nice. I got a nice and out there, and we had a good time. Uh, Ghost was cool. Really didn't expect that drop in a ghost. Number line was rad. Simple seemed like it was way longer than it really was. Mm-hmm. Is that just me? It did um, seem like that. And split that's kind of how I felt about the the whole set. To be honest with you, <laughs> like there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff, but like it was a lot. When I went back and looked, I was like, oh wait a minute, because the ghost was only like. Yeah, 10, 10 minutes, minutes or something yeah. like that. I think it was a lot, with the exception of that chalk dust, it was a lot of uh, of short stuff. Kind of short. And, and the split up and melt was just dark and weird. Um, I unexpected. imagine that uh, if you could get a conversation going on that with a bunch of fish heads, you're going to get as many different opinions on that as there are participants. That was the, um, I think I tweeted this the next day because I was curious. I think it was the third time in 3.0 that it's closed uh closed a second set and one of those other times was a new year's eve show so in a three set show it doesn't really count so if you're a stats person you know it's pretty rare you got a rare rare split <laughs> open and melt closer i thought there it was really cool and like really strange just in defense of of set one not that you were attacking set one jonathan but just oh, no. um there were there were four songs over 10 minutes long in the first set including blazon was 12 uh, always wanted this way, which I thought was awesome. Ocelot, which I think sounded more like a Winter Queen jam. It was like very, very not bluesy and a little more, um, you know, sounded like Jerry or something. And then Walls of the Cave. But um, by the way, I also called Walls of the Cave. Yes, um, <laughs> you did. I can vouch for that. He he, one hundred percent called that. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. Like the weird thing. So like, okay. Who cares about the song lengths? But the fact, like, Destiny Unbound was almost nine minutes long. And it was, like, like everything they play, it's the, back to the new normal theme, it's just, like, a, a jam, you know? It's not even like they're just trying to, like, get through the first set to get to cool jams. They're just, like, having fun playing whatever and not even worrying about it, you know? Right. And Blaze On had a little jam in it. It wasn't, wasn't long, but it was kind of, like, briefly kick-ass. Yeah. Um, which is, I think that's all you can ask. I mean, if if they go twenty minutes on a thing, awesome. But you know, they're not going to do that on, you know, they're they're not likely to do that 
<laughs> in every set or even in every show, but some, lately that maybe more than they used to. But uh, they went twelve minutes on Blaze on, and it was it was cool. It was yeah. cool. That's yeah. when I knew that we were in for at least a decent show. Mm-hmm. Lots of um, we we kind of hinted at it before, but lots of interesting set placement uh, with this show too. You got Cavern opener. Um, you know, not right. typical. That's that's typically going to be your first first or second set closer. Split open and melt second set closer. Not typical there. Um, what else we have in here? I guess blaze on that early in the show to to stretch it out and stuff like that. I always wanted it this way. You know, typically feels like a second set jam. Uh, so, um, and they they kind of kept that going through the next couple of nights. And I thought particularly on New Year's there was some really cool placement of uh, of stuff in the first set. Man, um, it was, I, I, we had a really great time. Um, and Jonathan, I'm glad you were able to make it, make it to that show. Um, the 30th of December, they also played at Madison Square Garden. Um, did they? They did. Matt and I both, Matt and I both had great, um, seats, unfortunately not together, but, um, man, that's just where to start. Start at Mike's song. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a good place to start. I, if you if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that today uh, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I put out my top ten shows seen last year, which I had teased on uh, one of our last episodes. This is the only thing that I rank every year. I try to stay away from ranking stuff, but I, I usually I've been putting this list out for the last couple of years, and this was my number two show of the entire year. Um, so I mean that should tell you something about about my opinion. Yeah, it was a good list. Your list was good. I approved of your list. It's a great list. I it's missed a great that list. list. The best. Um, the best. Number one list. So they open with Mike's song, which is always just, always. I think I've seen maybe three shows where they've opened with it, but always when they open with Mike's song that I've seen, it's cool. Um, I can't, Jonathan, you're an I Am Hydrogen fan, 68, 68 show gap for I Am Hydrogen. Um, you just don't, you don't hear it that much in the Mike's groups. No, and... Um they look Trey should practice it if they're going to play it. I I mean, I'm a huge fan of that song. I want to see that song. I want a total mics with the three tunes packed together, just like we got there. It would be ideal if the notes were played. I mean, not every song needs that, but this is one of those that would be best. If the Um, notes were played. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's I think that's a that said, um uh right after that, Mike's intro on Week Pog is f- well, it's always good, but it's really good. And I want to use this moment to talk about how good Mike sounded in the room. It comes through so on good. the tapes and on the couch <laughs> oh, tour, yeah. his tone. Oh, yeah. You know, there's all this hype about Trey's rig and all that, and it's all well warranted. But I don't know if Mike's made some changes or if there's just the way they're mixing him or the way he's playing is different. But he's cutting through more yeah. and more with just he's always played sick ass playing, but he's just you're hearing it and just I'm hearing it differently. And I love it. Incredible. He sounded incredible yeah, he, the whole weekend. I didn't realize it um, because I was. I didn't watch the webcast the first night, and then I, I was in the room the the, the other three nights. Um, somebody pointed out uh, to me today that apparently Mike was wearing IEMs 
the whole run. Yeah. Um, and I know that he does that. That's sorry. That's in your in your monitors. Um, and I know he does that with his band. Um, and he, in some interview recently, I can't remember which I one. Was, I think it was with Stephen Hyden. Was it the, the Hyden interview? I yeah. wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, he talked about, you know, the difference in playing with him and kind of why, you know, the whole band does when he does it with the Mike band. And I've kind of wondered if that was going to creep into Fish World because they've always been pretty strict about being wedge guys. Um, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it, if they're able to reduce some noise from him on stage or um, if it was just an EQ decision or something like that. But, um, yeah, Jonathan, like you were saying, like the, the top end is so well defined. Um, you can hear his pick against the string just cutting through the entire room. It's it's amazing. Right. And it comes through beautifully as he goes up the neck. I mean, it's just crisp, clear notes where I. Jumping back to the 29th, because where I was in 102 is straight back and looking right at Mike. And I swear that is exact proper distance for the the standing bass waves from his onstage rig because they were just ripping through us in the back of the room there in, in the most exquisite way. I thought um, he also he was playing just very creatively. I noticed in the 29th during the ghost, yeah. it, it like reminded me of some indie rock stuff. Um, and then also in the down disease from the 30th, and I think maybe in the steam too. Just it was the sound and and just his creativity. He just was he was so prominent in such a great perfect way all weekend. Um, I meant to tweet out, but I never did that. People for a louder mic finally finally achieved their victory. You know they can. I can re- finally retire Chris Klushko <laughs> and all those guys. <laughs> it took him 20 years. But, it took him 20 years. But yeah, and, and by the way, one thing to mention, because we, we talked about the hydrogen real quick. Um, I don't know if it came through on the webcast or RJ, if you caught it. Uh, there was like an audible cheer when they went into that. Um, I thought it was one of those cool things about fish fans that so many people realized that they hadn't played it in like 18 months. That was mm-hmm. me. That was, was just Jonathan. me just rippling <laughs> through everybody's phones. Yeah. Like I recorded that and tweeted it and there it jumped out of everybody's phone right then. I feel I feel so fortunate that uh, of the three nights that I was there, that's the one night I got to be on the floor and I had a great view was with, with a great crew and all that and um man, it was so great when they when they went into hydrogen and then so you wrap up, I mean the week of pog was good too, but you know, it's a shame what happened after the week of Pog, though. We're boring, we're boring these people to death. So, so what happened? So they stop, they end week of Pog, and then you see I, what I saw at least. You were watching at home, Jonathan. So maybe you saw more. But I saw Trey like, you know, kind of like fucking around with his whatever pedals, and then he like, then he like gets all excited and like runs over to Fishman, and then he like runs over to Paige, and I'm like, the fuck are they gonna like? How do you follow up a Mike's opener? And then. I guess There's we bits know the of talking between them, and Trey does the fast nodding that he does when he's really excited <laughs> yeah, 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 about what yeah. song they're going to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brad, Brad yeah. would love that. Brad loves the Brad loves the, the ADD Trey. So Brad would love that. Um, oh shit! Where's Brad? Did we leave him in the cage? I think he's still at American Beauty. <laughs> oh, we left him in the cage, and it's, they locked the place up. We they locked it up. Gotta go, We got to yeah. go get Brad. <laughs> um, so that tweezer, guys, it wasn't like, a, you know, just like, like, okay, yeah, now we're going to play the tweezer um, that we have to play this run and we'll play it for eight and a half minutes and then we'll like move on to the next thing. It was like a fucking 20 minute tweezer. Um, incredible. Really nice jam. And I mean, just 
mind blowing. Really, I was so confused for the rest of the night after that that by the time they got to the encore and came out and Craig, who I was staying next to, was like. I think they're going to play Sleeping Monkey, Tweezer Reprise. I was like, why would they play Tweezer Reprise? And I'm like, oh, fuck, they played Tweezer. It was like so long ago. <laughs> like that three I three like, days ago. I, I, like, I almost forgot, man. It was Anyway, I was very confused after that Tweezer. But Matt, what was your take from your vantage point? Oh, I mean, you know, I went up there to hear Tweezer. I was so happy that they didn't play it the first night when I wasn't there, um, <laughs> so, which they've tended to do on, on a lot of these runs. Uh it's been it's been a, it's been a little bit since I've seen a tweezer because I missed the one this summer, um, so I was that's all I was hoping for this entire run and I and to see that and like you said, sometimes when they drop it in the first set you're like oh, all right it's going to be a little muted or something, um, but they they really really went for it uh, up to and included the awesome including the awesome wind down into ass handed yeah, uh, yeah. they came back ending. to it yeah super fun. Yeah, I think it should yeah. be annotated on Fishnet when they do finish. Like, you know, they have the unfinished. I think for Tweezer, if it's finished, they should like, it should be noted. Because it's yeah. it's pretty rare at this point. Um, right. You know, I would, it would, anyway, it was great. Um, I think it's the first Tweezer I've seen since the since the um, January 2nd, 2016 version at, at MSG. Um, really wonderful. Um, and then... Yeah, they you know, and then it's like, so what do you do after after that? You play ass handed. It's like perfectly, perfectly fish, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. So here's the second half of the set. Uh, you know, it was one of those sets where you feel like, okay, they're they're gonna play a second set here, which they kind of did. I mean, because then they've got a great Kill Devil Falls and Bathtub Gin, which were a little bit more concise, a little bit more first setty, um, and then the Brother More, which is definitely a, a first set kind of thing. But what did you guys think of the Slow Brother? Man, well, when they first started, I was I thought it was like a week apog reprise or something. That's what I thought too. It was yeah, because Mike's bass, and I'm like, what? And then I didn't know until Trey started playing the chords, and then none of them knew what the fuck they were doing. I mean, clearly they were just like, I sort of remember the song, but not really. Um, I, I thought it was the funk, the funk man. It was like a jam in there. It, it was probably less of a jam than I remember it, but they haven't played it since the summer of 2012. 216 shows, so um, you know that was that was the the last big sort of drop of the year. I don't know. I thought it was pretty awesome. I think that the um, part of me wants to to believe that it was accidental. Mm. I don't really. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that they were like, okay, let's play brother, and they didn't mean to play slow brother. They were just like, let's play brother, and that's kind of how it happened. But you know, it was either that or stop and say, no, 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 no. Wait a second, it's a lot faster than that, guys. And and they didn't do that. They just went with it, and it was cool. So I don't know if That's it's fair. deliberate or not, um, but I don't necessarily need to see it this way every time they play it either, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. They played it in a way that was definitely fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I thought Mike made the most of it because he, he kind of altered his bass line. Um, so it was a little bit different because that might have sounded plodding and tedious if he was just slapping those octaves um, like he usually does Um, but it came off like a really cool kind of funk groove that you know if they weren't singing you almost couldn't tell what they were playing Um, and I I liked it I was surprised afterwards to hear that people were kind of like 
you know, had hurt feelings that they didn't play it fast or something, but I thought it was cool. That is just completely absurd. Just um, take it like a slow llama. Take it like a, just take some fucking fish, bros. Um, so <laughs> the more, more closer, I mean, to me, you know, that I'm going to, I'm a sappy motherfucker, but I love that song. I thought it was like the perfect end to a completely perfect, perfect first set. Um, couldn't have, couldn't have done it better in my opinion. Um, and then, of course, they played Down with Disease in set two because they always do when I'm there. But this this time was it was okay. It worked it's out okay. okay. It worked out all right, you know. Cool. In the end, what do you think, Matt? S- strong result. Strong result. <laughs> um, yeah. The the jam in there is is yeah, just like the rest of them. Awesome. Um, the steam was not was what I was expecting, but usually isn't. You know, um, I mean, whatever they play is not usually what I'm expecting. Um, right at the end of this team, Craig, who I was with, said, like, before he went into light, and he was kind of like, again, well, we haven't, one thing we haven't talked about is just like the, the dicking around on the guitar, as Matt, you'll hear Matt say about the um, 28th. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he, you know, there's all these effects, and it, it got sort of spacey in a lot of places there. And Craig was like, this is a huge decision what they play right here, because you could have seen after that steam them playing a couple of ballads or, you know, and then ending in or Makasupa or like, you know, you just don't know where they're going to go, but then light. Um, I think that was the right choice. I, I felt like on the sofa, I felt like I could kind of see light coming before it did, mm-hmm. but I don't really know how long that really was. Like it could have just been right. As Craig saying it to you, I could have been going, I think maybe maybe he's going to a light. T- maybe I I mm-hmm. don't remember exactly how that went down, um, but I kind of felt like oh maybe and then there it was. Yeah, so. it was a good choice, Matt. Did you? Did, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, it was good. Um, that I love that entire sequence: the disease, steam, light, um, and the steam. Like we were talking about with some of the songs the night before, just drawn out. I think it's it's about fifteen minutes, right? Um, it really wild. took its took its time. They they took a lot of space between verses, a lot of space at the end, and then it went into that light, which was the only reason I think that was it was it was a great song choice. It was a little disappointing because they didn't take it that far. Um, you know, if they if they push it a little bit further, then maybe you eliminate the farmhouse, and that becomes a um, uh, what four song second set. Yeah, um, but, but you I mean, know, you'd already had a twenty eight minute disease. And that farmhouse, yeah. oh, absolutely. Had I mean, it was kind of cool too. Trey actually it committing was. to the "No Woman, No Cry" in there, and yeah. Um, it and was, then they, it they was played cool. Antelope after it, so they did. Yeah. I can tell you that this is the this is the first show that I can remember ever where I didn't um, leave my seat to go to the bathroom when any music was playing throughout the entire show. I just I went once at set break and once at the end, and. That is really rare for me because I was just like, I just couldn't leave because like you didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't leave. There were no ballads. I mean, Farmhouse technically, but then it was toward the end. It's like, what's going to happen next? You just, you couldn't, couldn't leave, you know? No. Yeah. Yep. Same. Um, So then they did, you know, played an awesome Manalope that I really enjoyed. And then Sleepy Monkey Tweezer Reprise, greatest three minutes in rock and roll. Who cares? Moving on. Um, <laughs> Wait, I care. No, I'm kidding. Let's, we can move on. It was so cool, though. Just the the night. It was a it was a perfect show um, for me. And then New Year's Eve, 
it was my first New Year's Eve show. It was really fun. Um, noob. Noob. Start to finish, I mean, the again, the first set opening up with Karini, a pretty you know, decent Karini for an opener, Susie, my friend, and then like a fluffhead mid mid first set. It's again like these song choices that are just monumental in terms of like the direction of the set, right? Agreed. I am gonna be the guy who says that points out that they didn't exactly nail a fluffhead. <laughs> Please. But it Please was do. cool that they played it and uh and also they followed it with Reba, which does not happen. Like yeah, that's not that a thing crazy. that's happened until mm-hmm. So when you when you say they didn't nail the fluffhead, expand on that a little bit. I'm saying that there were notes that were not played correctly or in the right place or at all. I mean, there is a strictly com- it's there is big chunks of that that are pretty strictly composed, and yeah, um, yeah. a guitar player did not hit all of his notes. Take it for what you will. It, it didn't affect my enjoyment during- of the evening. So, yeah. but you're talking about during the composed part, yeah, of course. Okay, which is fair enough because no, I he played really the wrong notes in the jams, man. He should have well, really no, no, rid the-, <laughs> the the peak, the arrival. Um, was way more subdued uh, than it usually is. He didn't come out. He played the the first notes of it much, much differently than he usually does. And it gave it kind of a mellow vibe, um, which was, I I was wondering if that's what you were talking about. Because once again, I I saw and heard some people complaining about that. Like, oh, they didn't do this big peaky, peaky, peaky fluffhead thing. Um, But I thought it was really neat, especially because it was in the first set that they, they laid back. They sort of let it happen. It was a little bit more soulful. Um, And then that paved the way perfectly for the, the Reba that followed. That was just absolutely gorgeous. I can't believe they played the the Reba like right then. I was again after Fluffhead. It was like I thought maybe it was just going to be a slow song, some kind of breather, whatever. And they just they didn't. They just went they went for it, and it was a beautiful Reba. I thought um, the just killed. It was it just killed killed me. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 poor heart perfectly executed. Drop into poor heart by Trey as as always. Um, <laughs> sure, into, into forty six days and a maze and a character zero, all like solid. You know that was probably like a that was a solid, but you know chunk. Um, but then, but then they took a break, and then set two. I was not psyched about the possum opener. I'm, I just don't, I just don't like possum. It's just like I don't know how how it doesn't necessarily clear make I can you a bad that. person, RJ. But um, it does go on the the con side of the list. <laughs> Matt, were you psyched about that opener? I have nothing against possum. I'm not I asking you to be mon- psyched about it, but you know it's cool. You know, possum. I know I'm in the minority, but I, I like it. I don't I know. Like I think possum. it's always a fun show, and it's or a fun song, and it's it's got a nice, cool little peak built into it. And you know, as a as a starter for this set, you know, possum. Fuego, Jabu, Golgi, what's the UCM? Uh, I'll take the possum. That's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's I'm, fair. I'm that's gonna fair. tell you guys, because I know you were like dancing on the floor in the one hundreds or at the whatever in the rock show. I was home with my family. We had the the show on the TV and then the stereo blasting, and my son was up still. Piper was of course up and my wife and we were hanging out. We were playing a board game in the dining room. 
and uh, my son was standing up at his seat and dancing <laughs> for most of this set in between his turns. And that was freaking awesome. Man. So whatever you, whatever There's RJ more. says about how terrible this set may have been, he can't take that away from me. <laughs> I just wanted to say one negative thing about the weekend. Um, the, I thought just, he just didn't actually, want to be all glowy. I actually left during Possum to go get something to eat, and I came back and in right when Fuego started, so it worked out fine. Um, the Gata Jabu, I think, is one of the musical highlights of the run for me. Absolutely, I so good. Still surprised that it's not. I'm surprised that it's on the low side of a 15 minutes. I mm-hmm. I cannot believe it's that short. Yeah, yeah. It just felt, it felt like long. it really just flowed and rolled for a while. So the I mean, man, the to me on the third night I was sort of in the middle, but and I could so I could see everything. But I watching during what's the use? It was so awesome. Mike's little like you know bell thing during the quiet part of what's the use i didn't think i liked at the time because i was like why are you fucking with the silence bro but then when you listen back it's kind of awesome plus there's always some dude yelling during that silence fucking dudes it's always a dude isn't it pretty much yeah it was that that might have been uh peak Kuroda at that point too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the stuff that he was doing with the ceiling lights at that point. Um, if you weren't there that new that he's got this new ring of inner lights. I don't know if he had them permanently installed at MSG or if they just put them up for the run. Um, but he was able to just make this kind of swirling light around the middle of Madison square garden during that quiet part that it almost felt it was like like the lights were just trying to hush everybody down. It was just so this perfect shade of blue that was just calming. Yeah, uh, was and, and really awesome. Watching a video of that actually before we started this evening, and he shoots them straight out from the rig, so they just they illuminate the ceiling and not down, and then he pans them down and swings them down. Puts the you'll folks who weren't there if you see the pictures of the big lit up circle on the crowd. It's those lights that are. Yeah, again, I don't know if they're permanent, but you know, he has the access to operate the building lights because he did do the uh he did the lighting install for the Rangers Knicks whatever sport sports ball events there. And um yeah, it's it's gorgeous. There's some there are some nice videos of that stuff for anybody who wasn't there. Oh man, so good. That was such a great call and then I mean, the, to end the set with you enjoy myself was, I kind of, I think everyone thought it was coming, obviously, at some point, but um, to end set two was, I, I actually thought, I think I thought Golgi was going to be the end of the second set. I was I was a little bit confused that night, too. Just I remember your text after yeah. Jabu, who you were, just as I am, still am a little, uh, you were a little confused about the duration yeah, of I was like, don't don't they have to? Also, haven't they been playing that for thirty five minutes? Secondly, don't they have to take a break so they can come back? It was <laughs> man, it's very confusing. These were, these were actually long sets for New Year's Eve. Um, these were, yeah, I think, okay. They started uh, promptly. Yeah, I mean, they started pretty promptly. The first set was close to eighty minutes, I think, um, which is pretty. I mean, usually they're they're just about an hour each on on New Year's. Um, so I actually had the same exact feeling. I thought Golgi was going to be it for set two, uh, and then they were going to go break. 
Um, so it was nice that uh, that they they kept it going. And I mean, you actually really between sets one and two, you've got a full two set show there, pretty much. Um, yeah. You know, maybe maybe a little bit on the short side, but uh, you know, nothing to complain about. And Yem, that was uh, that had a guitar solo. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, no, not not that I don't mind Trey backing off a little bit and comping and letting the band kind of collectively groove there, but uh, it was rip roaring old school. Yeah, he was ready. He was ready for sure. Um, and I know we've been we've been talking about fish for a long time. We need to get to the to get to the American Beauty show, but um, the third set was. Um, we've talked a little bit about the gag, I guess, already, but um, the the theme. It was interesting. It was it was not a song selection I would have predicted in, in any um, in any situation probably. But the song I heard the ocean sing was great. But it was all just man the the energy in the room after the after the balloons and the New Year's countdown. Like it doesn't really matter what they play. Everyone's just like the wristbands are lighting up, and if people don't know wristbands lit up everywhere, coordinated to colors and whatnot. And you just like kind of have fun and bask in the glory of of New Year's. That's what I learned. Is that, I, um, does that sound accurate? I talked to some people, or you know, interacted with some people on the internets uh, today. Terrible who, idea. Who claimed that they didn't realize they'd played Caspian and Velvet Sea. They were just they were there. They were just so wrapped up in the show that they were like, oh, I didn't even notice. I don't like those songs, and I didn't even notice. Um, <laughs> Which is, I, I think that's a testament to what you were just saying, you know, is that awesome. it, 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 maybe it doesn't matter. You're just awash in this experience. Um, and frankly, just had a pretty big, pretty good, a song I heard the ocean sing, which I noticed today, by the way, I've never seen that song. I always miss it. I mean, they've only played it like 30 times. But I've never seen that stupid song. Kind of bums me out. Noob. <laughs> noob. It's a noob. It's a noob move. Um, Matt, what were your what were your favorites from that set? I I kind of like the whole thing, and it's funny. Just as you were saying, you talked to people that forgot about those songs. I literally had just glanced at the set list here and was like, "Wait a minute, they played Velvet Sea." Um, yeah, which, and it was perfect. It was a. Lo- it was great. It, the whole I liked the vibe of the whole set. Um, I thought the gag was great. I thought that. Um, why, Jonathan? How did it come across from the couch? Uh, it was cool. Like the, it was the execution. I mean, the uh, live fish video team has lo- has long demonstrated that they're very good, and they knew where to be most of the time. They caught. They captured the ship. It looked like a ship. Mm-hmm. sailing on I mean you could tell they were people and you knew they were wristbands but sailing on the blue I one of the things I really liked um the way it looked on the webcast and I'd be curious to hear from you guys how it looked in the room is the cannonball shots I mm. thought they fired like the uh, two yeah. cannon and it was pretty cool the way the one you know just well when it hit they fired it it exploded in little confetti and smoke and then there was a big thing like a plume uh, from out on the floor somewhere. Um, did you see those happen? Yeah, the, the first one that blew up was right in front of us. We were just a couple rows off the floor in 119, cool. and um, it was 
I didn't even notice it this entire the entire show. There was this huge black box sitting there, and they fired the cannon. It was the same thing because I like I, I thought the the disco ball cannonball that they had was so cool looking, and they fired it, and I was like, oh, that was kind of enough just to see that, and then like couple seconds later we're dancing and just right in front of us there was this huge explosion of confetti um so it it looked awesome so i I was actually wondering about that as well because it really did look like an ocean inside with the ship and then like if you know this cannon just hit the water right in front of us so it was um very very well executed i thought that tate and david gallo and all those guys did an awesome job with it yeah the I, i once the cannon thing started i expected there to be many more um just because I thought like I thought it was going to correspond to the countdown or something, you know what I mean? But it was just sort of like an extra an extra effect, which is which is fine and cool. Right, and they um, still did use them to punctuate the countdown. They pointed yeah. them straight up, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was cool to watch. I mean, I've I, I agree with Matt. Like the Petricor thing last year, I thought was incredible. Like I, I just loved watching that. Um, this was just. Like, you know, there were fewer people involved and fewer theatrics and all that, but it was still, like, really cool to watch those guys who I, I kept worrying that, that one of them was going to fall, obviously, because that's, like, what that's what happens. But they were they did a great job, and it was really cool design. And, like, I like that they didn't... Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that they didn't, like, do a good job or something. I, I'm glad they didn't overthink it. They just did something cool and interesting and, like, had a theme and went with it and didn't, like try they didn't try too hard like it i'm sure it was a lot shitload of work obviously but it, it didn't look like it was like overthought you know what i mean does that make sense well it it, it was a little, probably logistically a little simpler than having the you know the the dancers dangling and rising and falling and the umbrellas coordinated with them and all of that stuff that they did last year or they did with like seven below or any of those others it's probably a little simpler in some respects but you know really the the gag not only did you have the ship and you had the bracelets but you you know the whole set is the gag there's all of these until first tube they're all uh water songs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or yeah, they at least they have references really cool. to ships or water so and moma was the one i did not think of but i definitely sure enough, thought waves i definitely those. thought waves was coming but i a little too on the nose, I guess. You know, what it's do I know? Really cool, mm-hmm. Matt. What do you think? I mean, you obviously enjoyed it, and it was pretty cool. I mean, that they they pulled it off. It's obviously not not simple, but but do you agree that it was like that? It seemed like a good. I don't know. They also seemed comfortable with it. Yeah, well, that's why I you know I asked about that earlier, and, and I agree that it probably wasn't. But at the time, I actually was standing here thinking, I wonder if this is a reaction to last year because. They're not doing something with a ton of dancers. The guys that were on stage were there in in big part to help get the ship set up. I mean, they were actually like unfurling the sails and um, turning the thing around. And so there was actually more of a practical element uh, to it than anything. Um, you know, no, with the exception of Soul Planet, which I, I, I had no idea what that was when they were playing it. I didn't know I if it no was a cover, either. obscure cover that I didn't know or something like that. Um, you know, they didn't play a bunch of new songs or or even big boat songs, which was kind of comical. Um, and, and I also remembered hearing last year around New Year's, I feel like the number one rumor last year for New Year's was that the New Year's gag was going to be that they were going to play on a big boat. 
because it, the album was new. So I almost wonder if maybe they came up with two ideas last year and they realized that they could execute Petrichor and they said, okay, well, we'll just do the boat thing next year. Hmm. Um, I mean, who knows how the, who knows how those things go over? But as soon as they unfurled that, I was like, oh, they're finally doing the big boat mm-hmm. that they were that they were supposed to have been doing last year. I wonder if they're going to uh-huh. play the album straight through or something like that now. Um, and then you know they they went into free, and I was like, all right, they're they're going to do a water theme. This is this is pretty cool. But um, I liked it. I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely up among some of my favorite uh, New Year's gags that I've seen in person. Can you imagine if they had played Big Boat straight through? Just <laughs> d- d- let's reserve comment, laugh if you want, but just think about, and I want everybody out there, think about what the internet would be saying. <laughs> well, I was, um, <laughs> I, I did think, well, maybe they'll play Friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, they did it well. And, and obviously for anyone who hasn't heard, the song I heard the ocean sing, Jam, is incredible. Um, yeah. Just really, really, really awesome. Um, so, guys, we want to get get our listeners on to the to the live show we did at American Beauty. Um, any any last takeaways or comments about this incredible uh, incredible weekend? Well, we didn't we didn't talk a whole lot about uh, about uh, Trey's tone, and as you mentioned, that's kind of been mm-hmm. dissected to death. So, I don't I don't know that we have to get into it. The only reason I wanted to bring it up now is because, as you mentioned, um, our listeners will hear me refer to this on December 29th as. Uh, Trey dicking around with his guitar rig a lot the night before. Um, I want to I want to issue a statement saying that um, <laughs> while I still agree that that was the case for the first night and a little bit for the second night, uh, by the thirtieth and the thirty first, I thought that uh, he was a little bit more focused and some of the novelty had worn off on some of the delays and stuff like that. I think he, he was still figuring some stuff out, and and we will hear some some further tone shaping work and stuff like that, but. Uh, uh, Really, really good, and it sounds fantastic, especially in the room. I mean, his guitar is cutting through in a way that it—I haven't really heard it um, before because his classic sound is so kind of squished down and like a laser beam. But if you—I'll tell you—if you were at the Vegas shows last year um, when they did Ziggy, and you liked Trey's tone then, which I really, really. Did. He was using Marshall amps for that run. This is a lot like that. It's a rock and roll tone, uh, and I, I can't wait to uh, see him tweak it a little bit more. I almost wish that uh, the next time I was seeing him, it was going to be an electric gig instead of acoustic. But <laughs> oh, wow! Well, I'm summer. going to one of those acoustic gigs. Wow! Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll be there. Down, it's the downside of going to the Trey acoustic gigs. All right. Well, um, thanks everybody for listening. If you haven't yet, please um, review us on iTunes. And, um, you know, email us and send us thoughts and things um, so that we can keep keep doing a better job. Agreed. And I want to follow on real quick before we yes, go please. on what Matt was saying is uh, if you guys aren't following Trey's Guitar Rig on either Facebook or going to his website or following him on Twitter, he's been really on the nose and on point on this stuff with what's going on with Trey's gear. Uh, really fascinating and um, and it definitely keep up with what he's doing and if you didn't listen to the episode that he did with us you can go back and find that but most of that information is out of date out of date um, but still fascinating but still fascinating um <laughs> all right so we're gonna what you're gonna hear next is our live recording at american beauty which was recorded on the 29th um of december uh, the, the last live podcast ever 
at American Beauty. I also want to apologize for being late to that. Yeah, you don't have to apologize. It's not your fault. No. Why didn't you make Why didn't you make the train go faster, man? <laughs> Superman would have. I, I realize really Amtrak's motto is "We'll get you there when we feel like it." It is. It is. <laughs> That's why I had a delay on the on the way back, so I, I feel your pain. I think um, I think that's why you know that's why a lot of uh, so that's why it's such a successful um, enterprise. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Hope you all enjoy, and we'll see you all next time. Keep on rocking. Everybody. I like the enthusiasm for podcasts right yes. there. In the Thank room. you, Kate. We love it. Thank you, Kate. Kate was on our podcast for a quick hit after her first show in uh, 2016? 15? 16. Um, there's a light in my eyes, so I can't see any of you anymore, but um, I know a lot of you, and thank you all for coming. Um, this is HF Pod Live, and you all are, um, are you know, wonderful guests you're a part of it you're part you're, of it you're in it you can't escape this is matt hi i'm matt i'm rj he's rj we do the helping friendly podcast it's amazing to think about that we've been doing this podcast for going on five years and many of the people in this room have been instrumental in helping it grow and uh grow and flourish and they're the vicners speaking of which you guys can ride the rail if you want space, <laughs> space up here up front um so we're going to do a few things. We're going to talk with Pete from FanArt about, about what he's up to here. We're going to do some other things, and we're going to have a good conversation. We want people's opinions. Um, we're going to ask people to, to help us talk about 2017 and some other stuff. And if, we, if people don't like your opinions, you have to spend five minutes in the cage. Dun, um, dun, dun. So, so just be careful about your fish opinions. The Bernie onesies in the house. What's up, man? Good. <laughs> Cool. So the, the other cage in the back is for Brad, who's yeah. not here, unfortunately. Any listeners of the podcast know that we always leave open space for Brad, and the cage is it. Um, Jonathan, who this mic is for, is on a train that's been about two hours late at this point, so he will join us at some point. Um, so first of all, thanks to Pete from Fan Art and American Beauty for hosting us. And right after we're done, uh, Polyvamp's going to play. We got to listen to their sound check, and they're pretty cool. They kick ass. They kick excited. ass. So you guys should stay and listen to them as well. Um, I guess the, the first thing I want to say is that this is our second live event this year. We were upstairs on July 28th, 29th. Something like that. Whatever. We were here once before, and uh, we got a lot of really cool stuff planned. It was Maple Night. It was Maple, it was Maple Night. Night. It was Maple Night. Um, we got a lot of really cool stuff planned for 2018, which I'm going to talk about a little bit at the very end of this. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, one thing I wanted to say is that I think a lot of people think because they just hear our voices a lot, that we're very, like, drama-free. And I just wanted to tell you guys, it's not true. There's a lot of shit that happens behind the scenes. Um, Brad and Jonathan have rarely been seen in the same room together um, because of an ongoing spat that I won't even get into. Um, but also, Matt, I was talking to Matt earlier, and I was like, hey, I have your tickets for Sunday. Do you want me to just hold on to them until Sunday? And he was like, no, it's better if you bring them. That way, you know, in case we don't see each other again. 
And so, you know, he's, he's just trying to get the tickets and get out of here. And so when we walk off the stage, we're like, it's like Fleetwood Mac, but, but without sex. Um, <laughs> this is how difficult tickets are for this run. I had to do this whole podcast thing just to get a pair of tickets from RJ. So, um, so I think that's it. Um, so I think we want to start. Hey, Pete, do you want to come up and chat with us for a few minutes? We want to talk with Pete. Pete is, Pete is fan art. His, his surname is Pete and his first name is fan art. Um, want to have him up to, uh, to chat with us for a few. Welcome, Pete. Hey, Pete. Hi, how you doing? Good. Um, so, Pete, for those of you, those people here who don't know you, which I don't think there, there are very many, but um, give us a little bit of an intro, just why you started FanR, where it, where it started, and then we can kind of come, come back to where we are today. Well, uh, it started after Coventry when I uh, wanted to find a way to kind of keep the parts that I, that I felt that I, uh, I really liked, which was the art, and uh, I barely had scratched the surface. And over the years of the breakup, it became, uh, and this is before Facebook, trying to compile all the art and find out what was out there while it was still available. And getting 1,600 pieces of art before Facebook together was a feat. Um, and then slowly there started being art shows in, uh, there were some in 2003 and 2009 and slowly I started working at them and doing PR and then eventually there was a, there was a, uh, a void and it was like, somebody needs to run these shows. We need a show in Atlantic City for Halloween 2013. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to do this guys. I, I can just send out press releases. So we started talking about it, like, here's what we need to do and we pieced it together and the first show was a huge success, and we all broke even. It was great, and the artists made money, and I was happy. So looked into it again and kind of spitballed. And when Relics came calling for Brooklyn Bowl in Vegas in 2014, that was, the, that was where I was like, oh, okay, well, we can really, we really do this. So what, what was it like before, like in the, in the 2003, 2004 years? I mean, it was, you just walk around the lots, and there were people who had their stuff, but it was individual People just sort of selling stuff, but there were probably more informal networks and stuff like that? A little more informal. This is, uh, you know, when cell phones, when you had flip cell phones, so communicating is not as simple as it is now. Um, you set up and you just know who you're vending with and know where to go. Um, and just, it would be very spotty. Um, so there wasn't any, like, there was, like, you know, core teams of people who vended to, to live on tour, to, to do this, which is where this all originated from, rather than... I can make this my living now, selling things online through my store and Etsy and everything. So it grew out of that. Um, but there were um, fishposters.com started having small art shows. So there was one on uh, January 3rd, 2003, and that had uh, AJ Mastay was there, and Trip and Isadora and Kerrigan, and that and that was the first show I ever saw, and I was blown away. Then I went to Miami later that year, and they had another one. I went to that. And, cleaned out. I, I, I was thrilled that this community existed and got more into it. And then fish breaks up and it's like, well, what can we do now? And as soon as they came back, we were ready. And there was 40, 30 artists ready to, ready to do this. That's awesome. I know in, in post Coventry, we often, we often talk about Coventry in, in very sad way. Everyone was very sad after, but it's cool that you kind of took it in a positive direction and tried to keep, keep it going, keep the community going in your own way. What um what's how has it evolved? What's been like the most interesting thing in the past past year or two as you've been growing? Uh, people will buy anything with donuts on it. <laughs> um, you'd think it's overdone, and then somebody makes 
you know, a onesie or a bar stool or another t-shirt or earrings, rings, jewelry, bathing suits, underwear. It's not going to stop. And I think, I, I think part of the joke of Baker's Dozen that, 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 that's missed is that they're kind of mocking the fact that we're doing so much with these donuts. So they'll just do a whole run of shows with all these donuts. And it's, it's cool that it's our symbol and it's our inside joke. And you can, you know, I have a fishman scarf. I wear it to the mall and I'll get like a nod from somebody. And I don't even need to know who they are. It's just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I dig that. Um, but the donuts is great. But a lot of people are starting to be, become far more creative. And fish, fan, fish artists, whether they're just starting out or seasoned veterans know not to use the logo or the likenesses or the band members' names. And if you can avoid that, you have this realm of creativity that you can just go nuts on. There, there, there's plenty to do without using a variation of the fish logo yep. or Trey's face or the word fish. Like you, just, you can, they, they give us a lot of leeway, and we're, we're very fortunate in that regard. And all the creativity is seen from that by all these shows and everything you see online, and that's pumped out every year. Speaking of which, I know there was um, some news about a trademark that they were trying to do around the donut and stuff like that. I mean, what's the relationship between the band organization and the fan art scene these days? How would you characterize that? Well, um, I wouldn't say there's anything, any, any like official relationship with it. I think there's more of a mutual understanding of how you know fans are going to continue to crank out art, and if there's nothing. Uh, uh, infringing upon it, and you can go upstairs and see a whole bunch of non-infringing things that just has dates and and beautiful artwork on it, yeah. and that totally is uh, that's totally kosher. And uh, I, I think it's a, a great understanding between the uh, the band and the fans. Um, they know that we're not going to sit here and try and start selling fish logo T-shirts because why ruin a good thing? Yeah. But um, having uh, you know w w when we saw the donuts kind of going up uh, as a possible trademark thing. A lot of people wondered what was up with that. And I think it was more of like a um, pre, uh, like, a, like a preliminary, like, you know, just, just you know, cover your ass kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just a slight little crowd control type yeah. thing, so to speak. <laughs> um, I, think that's, I, I think that's all it was. I don't know what will come of it. Um, you know, I think donuts are for everybody, so. Donuts are for everybody. Hey. The crowd control, crowd control opener. Um, thanks, Pete. Um, so people can listen to a much, much longer conversation with you about your your fan journey and stuff on Tom's podcast, Under the Scales, you were on in season one. Um, but tell us a little bit about this year for fan art, like having, being in New York almost for all the shows and being near MSG, like what, what has that done for for fan art in, in terms of being able to just bring people back to the same areas as it have you seen a spike in attendance and interest and stuff like that oh definitely uh, i the the shows just keep getting better and better and when you think it's like there might be some burnout it's just people know where to go and where to come they know to come to american beauty we, we started doing jerry lounge uh for all the days in between the fan art shows and had a um uh and even during dead and company so people know that this venue will have some vending at some points for certain shows and then you have just the general shows and, uh, over at Hotel Penn. And people are just, the regularity is, is a main thing where they're going to, where they, they know what to expect and know to come there. So, like, I can 
continue to promote them as I have since day one and just keep stepping it up and making, bringing more things to attract fans. But if we're having two to 3,000 people come into these shows at Hotel Penn, there's a lot of vendors that are going to benefit from that, and there's ways that we can now support Mockingbird Foundation on top of whatever they're selling to support Mockingbird. Um, people can win donut stools. Uh, we're going to have a drive to uh, for gloves and um, warm threads for the homeless that yeah. we're going to be collecting tomorrow because yeah. it's so damn cold out. Yeah. We need to we we can give a little bit back yeah. uh, and you know cash a trade and Groove Safe. And, and everything, it really just it brings everybody together and, and kind of shows the, uh, the way the community functions best together when we're all working together as a team. And then within an hour of the doors closing, we're over at MSG right across the street dancing to the same music. So it's, it's kind of beautiful to be working as crazy as the sound. It's beautiful to work from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. for me tomorrow and then run across the street at 7.30 and go dance to fish for four hours. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, so 2018 is probably a little bit up in the air for you or for 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 all of us because we don't know where we're going to see fish. But what what do you what do you hope happens with fan art in the, over the next year or two? I mean, do you have plans? Do you want to just keep it going and expand it? Like, what are your what are your aspirations? Uh, I, I constantly want to keep keep working with bands. You know, I've, uh, I've we've, we've done a couple of uh, twiddle fan art shows, done some dead stuff, um, and I and I love continuing to work in that regard. And I like keeping it nice and open so that we can continue to uh, um, can continue to grow and keep getting the word out there and keep promoting the artist, which is the whole basis of fan artists, to promote who these artists are um, and get them a fan base and connect them. Like, you can, uh, like, you know, after the podcast and while you're listening to Polyvent, you can go upstairs and meet the artists, which is, puts a, really puts a face to the name so it's not just some entity who's creating art. They, these people have lives and their art is their life and their income. And you can support them and go dance to fish with them. They're like, like they're, you're, they're, you're, we're all in this together. And they, it, it's, it's amazing the community that comes together to support them in various, various ways. Um, and, and I just want to continue to see that grow. That, that, awesome. that would be the best thing. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, thank you for having us as part of this. And thank you for everything you do for oh, I'm the glad, community. I'm glad to have you guys involved in this. Um, great. And people should check out the stuff upstairs. Obviously not while we're talking because it's very, it's very important. Um, but when we're done, and, and tomorrow is Hotel Pen? Yeah, tomorrow Hotel Pen, 12 to 6. Um, and, uh, yeah, free, free admission, music playing all day. And, uh, yeah, get your last stuff. It's too cold to be vending outside, so uh, pick up pick up everything in a nice warm area. <laughs> oh, and, and there's a bar there, too. Okay. Bar. Good, spot, good spot to pregame. Bar's good. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Give it up for Pete. <clears throat> So um, thank you all again for coming. Um, I just I wanted to say something I forgot to say earlier. We had uh, a couple months ago we had a uh, a podcast episode with a guy named Adam. I don't know if he's here. Um, he if he's not here he's upstairs. But he wrote a uh, a blog post that ended up going on Headcount about um, you know sort of racial equality in the fish scene and it was very controversial. But I but we thought it was interesting to talk about and we had him on our podcast and um, he has created a group called. Fans for Racial Equality, which uh, the hashtag PHRE, and they're actually going to do a, a meetup upstairs at five o'clock in the upstairs room, sort of past the stairs where we were um, in July. So if you guys are interested in, in meeting other folks who are interested in, in talking about that issue and whatnot, um, head up there at five o'clock because they'll be they'll be hanging out. Sweet. 
Um, hey, RJ, can yes. I point something out? Yes, please. In July, we uh, made note, mention of the fact that 50% of the HF Pod wives were here. Yes. They were super supportive. They came out. I want to point out that this time there are 0% zero percent of the HF Pod wives zero. here. Uh, I think it's weather related. Do you? I think it. I think it says two things: a, the fact that they're totally not impressed, and b, the fact that they are so supportive that they said go to New York without us anyway and do this. So That's a we good should point. thank all of the HF Pod wives. Yeah, uh, and we're not here. Yeah, thank thank you, and thank you for yeah allowing us to be here, HF Pod wives, wherever hey. you are. Um, and hopefully Jonathan will like come strolling in and walk right up here and start start talking. I want um, to run. I've heard that. Um, there was a fish concert yesterday? I heard something about that, too. Should we talk about last night? Was anyone at the fish concert last night? Okay, many people All were right. at the fish concert. Show of hands and some yes, yays. Yes, Jonathan's here. Hey, look, at that. look who we have here. Ladies and gentlemen, direct from Amtrak, Jonathan Rowe, Jimmy Hart. Hey, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, that's that's why Jonathan's here. So thank you for thank you for that. Um, we were going to talk about the fish concert last night. Oh, I listened to that. Sweet. It was um, it was a fish concert. How's everybody doing? Did you guys do that part already? No, we, we a couple no, times, but you didn't. You didn't. Right. One thing, um, Matt has several um, man yells at cloud things to say about about the fish concert, but I, I only have one, which is it's amazing to me now that like still, and this is probably not amazing to anyone else, but. We wake up in the morning if if you're if you didn't go to the show and at as early as six a.m. you can like listen to the entire show and then there's an entire conversation about it and the whole thing has like gone through one cycle of discussion like in twelve hours. Back in our day, you had to wait for the U.S. Postal Service to bring you tapes. Um, some, I'm sorry, the what? Yeah, yeah, they're the failing U.S. Postal Service. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, just, just checking. We got to be topical. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's amazing that we've, we've already been able to, like, to analyze it. But Matt has more yelling at clouds things to say. What did you think of last night, Matt? Well, and, and we, should, we should caveat this for everybody. None of us were at the show last night because we were very, very uh, heads down preparing for all of the wonderful content that you see here today. That, it, that um, is not true. <laughs> that is not why. Uh, hashtag kids. Um, so I, I thought that it was pretty good. I think that I saw a lot of what I described to these guys as Trey dicking around with his new guitar rig. Uh, he's got a lot of new toys, and I think he was exploring new sounds, and I think that he was trying to find his way around his new pedal board and locate certain things, which is to be expected. You know, you're going to have that a little bit. Um, he never used it in front of a crowd or, you know, let alone an arena full of people. I, I did like the sounds that he found. It's great he, sound. It sounds great. Sound, good it sounds, sounds great. to you guys? Anybody? It sound good? How we're did there, it sound in the room? Because it sounded good on the webcast. Did it, kinda, did it sound good in the room? Thumbs up. Like, we've got thumbs up. up. We've got lots of nods. Right. nods. So that's good. That's good. I think it's going to sound good, but there was a lot of like, oh, wait a minute. I got this neat space echo here. I'm going to try that out a couple different ways going on. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of elongated things a little bit. But, uh, you know, as the run goes on, things will tighten up. He'll get a little bit more comfortable with it. The novelty wears off. And uh, we'll see a little bit more kind of straightforward focused playing. So not negative, not negative. I just think there was a lot of, like, experimentation with sound happening. I, I, I wonder, though, um, does, Trey sounds like he has a cold. Anybody else got that? Um, but, uh, no, no, everybody is healthy. That's awesome. I'll hug every one of you. Um, but he sounds like he's got a cold. And maybe he was like, well, let's do a little less singing, a little more jamming, in which case I'm all for Trey having Absolutely. colds. I, I don't mind his singing, but 
the jamming is welcome. Yeah. At the same time, I think the rest of the band was just on fire, particularly Mike. Um, bass was just cutting through the sound, um, just flurries of ideas, uh, particularly in that No Man in No Man's Land. So I think I'm excited about tonight. Can, about can we talk about the Roger or Roger, if you like? Um, I, I don't really have a lot of comment on it except uh, just great floating. Mike was just amazing on that, and it, um, I couldn't sit down in my living room not just because the cats were on all the chairs, but it was, it was that good. It was that good. Do you guys feel that in the room? Do you get a little elevated there? Does anyone, does anyone who's there last night want to come up and give, give us your um, impression? This is like becoming a guest on the podcast, except in this case you stand up on the stage instead of us just calling you on your cell phone. And we'll actually be able to see you. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, everybody's shy. Everybody's shy. That's okay. I was I scared so, to come I think, up here. Zach, you should come up here. Yeah, I think you should right come here. up. We'll, we'll, um, Matt, we'll come to you, you with the microphone, bring the show so you, you don't have to. There's a lot of pedals up here, which I don't think we're supposed to press. Don't don't step. No, I'd probably trip if I came up there. So it's safest down here. Hey, man, welcome. welcome. Thank you. So the question again, please, sir. How was last night? Last <laughs> night was so. Sound, I agree with your assessment of Trey. I don't want to say fiddling, but fiddling a little bit. You know, trying to figure out what was what. Sound was great. Uh, I thought there were some really really great sections in there. I mean, set two on a whole was very, very good. And I thought set one, somebody last night had said that set one was very set one-y. I actually disagreed with that. I thought it had had the tube jam in there, which is, appreci- you know, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, you had uh, your pet cat, which is like tube part two, sort of, in my opinion. Uh, it's basically like the same chords over and over again. Uh, but it's, uh, I really enjoyed this, the show overall. I thought it in a way, I went to the dozen, I did the dozen, and uh, I felt in a way like they were like trying to figure out their way of not doing the dozen, doing something else, but without doing a gag so far, if that makes sense. Like they're trying to find their way a little bit with like post-dozen identity. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I think I tweeted some or texted somebody last Thank night. You might have been on that. Is that people were wondering would we come to, you know, would things go back to normal after the dozen and after Dicks? And uh, my assessment is that this is the new normal. So a few more jams, more fluid playing, hopefully, once Trey figures out where the buttons are. <laughs> Did anybody uh, decide whether or not he used the, um, the Trey 94 button? Anyone? It was probably, maybe that was that digital delay section that we heard a little bit of. Gotta hope so. I want more of that. Could have used more of, could have have stretched that out a little bit more. It was almost just like a straight out of 94, 95 digital delay loop jam for a little while. There was, I think it was in in Slave where he held it absolutely forever. And I think that's part of the new rig that just, God, it was, yeah, it was like 32 bars or something like that. He he held that out. Amazing. Um, I, th- I noticed an ACDC bag that it like seemed like it took him, Trey a little while to like find the strings or notes. Um, I, I know a lot about music. I'm a pretty big guitar expert, and the guitar machine I think was like just hard to operate. But I think it got like obviously got more comfortable as as he went on. Um, and I know that people are saving this room in the front for Steve Vickner to dance, um, which will happen um, before the end of the show. But if people want to come in, if it's crowded back there. Feel free to, to, to move on up. Um, thank you, Zach, for sharing. Yeah. And welcome. Um, okay. Cool, yeah. 
So we're going we're gonna to talk for about 10 more minutes, and then Polyvamp's going to come on and melt your faces. Um, first, we want to talk a little bit about 2017, the year. Absolutely. This year? This is the one. Um, how, how about a little bit, little bit of cross-pollination here? I think we should do that. Can we, can we bring up a special guest? from? Yes. How many here listen to the Beyond the Pond podcast? Anybody listen to Beyond the Pond? All of you should right, be. Yeah, we yeah, should yeah. hear lots of cheering. So if you listen to that, you know our, uh, our esteemed colleague, David Goldstein. We're going to bring David up to talk a little bit about 2017, the year in review. Come on up, David. Yeah, give it up for David. I would also say just you should tune in to Beyond the Pond because David's going to talk about fish, but his, his level of musical knowledge is um, outrageous to me, and, um, and I think he's stra- so strangely adm- adm- admirable because you know so much about music, and it freaks me out, but I love it. Well, I try not to freak you out. I think if you tune into Beyond the Pond, the idea is to educate and not so much freak out. But just briefly, um, my colleague in the podcast is Brian Brinkman, who could not be here today. He is, I just got a text from him that he's in Ohio. He doesn't like Ohio, but whatever. I don't blame him. Yeah, not much doing in Ohio. (laughs) He's, uh, He's on his way back to Maryland with his family. Poor RJ wants to defend Ohio, but we're not going to let him do it. Nope. So we're supposed to be talking about, what, 2017 in review? Yeah, so, so what sure. do you think about 2017? Let's, you guys talk about Fish and Beyond. So if you look at the year in music, 2017, how does what Fish did this year fit into the, the musical landscape? Well, for starters, last night I was listening to the concert, and I was thinking, wow, it sounds like Trey has really been listening to the War on Drugs. <laughs> drink. Everybody drink. Because a lot of his solos sort of sound like uh, what the War on Drugs frontman Adam Granchill is doing. But no, seriously, when I think of 2017, certainly the Baker's Dozen was incredible. As much the fact that there was no repeats, as the fact that it showed that uh, with all of the various cover songs that Fish listens to lots and lots of music other than jam bands. I think probably the best example is being on Night 11 when they played the Radiohead song. That was Lemon Night. Everything in its right place. It was a bit shaggy, but I was actually uh, watching the webcast with my family on vacation in Cape Cod. And then when they stopped and went into uh, the organ riff, I said, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I think I said exactly that inside that night. Right. It was uh, pretty amazing. And frankly, uh, it kind of left field for me. I would never have predicted that. Definitely. Not only was it left field, but, I mean, it was great because Trey was trying to get it to sound like Radiohead because he had the same little Korg tag that the Radiohead guitarist Johnny Greenwood uses. So I think Fishman counted it off in the same way that the Radiohead drummer Phil Selway counts it off. So it was uh, a bit shaggy, but the fact that they tried to make it as accurate as possible was very, very, very impressive to me. It was a reasonable approximation given that it was Fish and not Radiohead. But when I, certainly 2017 with the Baker's Dozen, this was also, for non-fish bands, for anyone who's familiar with the sort of independent rock boom of 2005, a lot of those bands put out records again. A lot of bands like The National and Grizzly Bear, LCD Sound System, all the bands that had MP3 blogs in the mid-2000s kind of rose again. And most of those records are very good as well. Most. Not all. But we, we won't be mean here tonight. Okay. Okay. I didn't come here to shit on someone's favorite band. (laughs) 
So, Dave, let's, let's ask you one more question. We talked about a lot of those uh, mid-2000s, mid-aughts indie bands making a big statement here. Uh, where do you put Fish? Is Fish a legacy band at this point? <sighs> no, they're not, because they keep changing it up. They keep putting out new records and new music, and they're not running in place. When I think of a legacy band, I think of some band that puts out kind of the same record once every three years, and they can sell out maybe 2,000 seat venues across the country. And in a sense, they've kind of won because they don't have to have a day job. They can support themselves, they can play these venues, they can put out records that their fan base enjoys. But Fish is different because they keep pushing forward. I mean, they aren't content to run in place, whether with the Baker's Dozen or whether with i mean they put out big boat i'm sure they'll have another album in the works at some point they want to keep reinventing themselves which is why you see trey keeps getting a whole bunch of new toys mike's got a solo project this paid solo project they aren't a legacy band because they aren't content just to do the same thing over and over again which is why i've been listening to them for the past 25 years sweet rj do you have anything to add? well i just i wanted to I ran, I ran the numbers um which is very complicated it takes a long time um and it, that involves going to fish.net and looking for four minutes. But um, so 28 shows as after this runs over in, in six, only six venues, which is which is pretty rare, obviously numbers wise. But we got 10 fish debuts, including end of session and most events aren't planned. But but eight other new songs that have never been played by fish. And I just think that's to get that kind of you know new music from a band that's 34 years in and could easily just kind of rest on their laurels or, or on the material they already have, hundreds and hundreds of songs. It's just really impressive to, to think about that. Well, to say nothing to the fact that, you know, that's the new, those are the new songs that come out, but they're generating new material every night, right? I mean, let's look at, like, the Rolling Stones or somebody like that that puts out an album every seven or eight years. That's the little chunk of new material that they come out and they use, they use it as an excuse to tour behind. You've got Fish going out, essentially creating something new every single night, occasionally coming out with a new batch of songs to kind of propel that forward. So I think I think I agree with you. I, I thought you said in your text to me earlier today that you didn't want to come here and just fluff them all day long. Cause well, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I, 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 that's what you said. I did say trade dicked around with his guitar a lot. So okay, I, that's true. We got um, both sides. I, I really want to ask, though, while we have David here and anybody out there has a, a response, is what cover from the Baker's Dozen will we see this weekend? If they, bring, if they have to bring one back. I would love to see them bring back Strawberry Letter 23. Agreed. Definitely. Anyone out there have a strong opinion? Agree. There's a lot of agreement there. Yes. People, people are nodding for the podcast listeners. Yes. There we go. Yes, there we yes, go. Yes. A little Boston cream. That would be the other one I definitely want to hear. All that right. was a hell of a lot of fun. All right. Thank you, Dave, for coming up. Everybody, once again, listen to Beyond the Pond. Uh, which, do, you have, do you have another episode coming up soon? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking the last episode we had was the holiday episode, which is still pretty recent. There's going to be some very interesting guests and very interesting episodes coming up in 2018. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting year. I think the next one will probably be recorded probably the second week of January, and you should probably hear it drop in the third week of January. If I can just put in a plug for Polyvamp, I'm looking at their set list right here, and it's... A very fire, fire polyvamp set list. You guys aren't going to believe what the polyvamp set list My spells. My God, <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe they're playing Abbey Road start to finish. That's ambitious for. It really is. Yes, I'd be at Abbey Road. Um, thanks, David. Thanks for coming. Thanks, up. Dave. Thanks. Thanks, Dave.
So, so we're going to wrap up in a sec so Polyvamp can start. Um, just one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, m- many of you have seen, um, or many, I don't know, many, maybe a few of you have seen us. We've been, um, I've been tweeting pictures of me and Tom drinking beers. Um, and that's partially because Tom and I... Hold on a second. To- that's Tom Marshall, oh. lyricist for the band Fish. Don't, don't name drop. Sorry, I, you know, just, t- just, just be clear Tommy, about Tommy it. G to me. Um, um, partially that's because Tom and I have come to learn that we both enjoy drinking beer. Um, and, and that's been fun. But before he started Under the Scales, we started talking about what could, like, what could we do with a podcast, a two podcasts, a group of, pro- of podcasts. And I think for the past year or so, we've been um, ideating, pivoting, whatever um, Silicon Valley jargon you want to you use. We've, been, we've just been going back and forth a lot with, with random ideas. But we've, we basically have an idea of, of something that we want to create, which we're going to launch um, early in 2018, which is going to be called Osiris. And it's um, a network of music podcasts. And we hope that we can provide a place for artists and music fans and like-minded people to kind of come together and, and access new music and new content. And when we launch in February, we'll have a really exciting partnership with a, a media company, which we'll talk about in, in January. But we have about 15 podcasts right now on board, and we'll probably have 20 by the time we launch. And the idea is that we're going to help drive traffic and interest to each other's podcasts and hopefully create a much bigger community of, of podcast listeners so we'll have a lot more information about that in the next couple months but um, obviously Tom came up with the name Osiris as, a, as sort of a code word and it's stuck so that's the name um, and you'll see much more about it but just wanted to give people a little bit of a flavor for, for what's coming and um, Beyond the Pond which Dave and Brian do um, of course HF Pod Under the Scales um, Broke Down Podcast which is done by um, a, a guy with a long beard who likes the Grateful Dead um, this guy sounds pretty cool. That, that guy, Tim. If you haven't listened yet and you like the dead, you should you should check it out. Um, and many others. No Simple Road is a really cool new podcast that that's joined us, as well as um, as Inside Out with, Inside with Out. Turner Turner Great and show. Seth. Um, lots of others. So if you if you do a podcast that we don't know about yet, please come up to me and tell us about it. Um, if you have an idea for a podcast that you've been kicking around talk to us about that and if you if you know friends who are doing music podcasts that you think we should know about tell us about it so that's pretty exciting to us and we'll be launching that in the early part of 2018 and a a new podcast that just launched yesterday or two days ago with only a teaser so you have to wait to see what the full episode is like is by the vic um it's called tweezer tonight where where's the vic are you here Oh hi! Hey. His hands up in the back. He has been mulling this idea over for some time and, and came up with his idea. And um, it's going to be the Vic talking about things, which will surely be entertaining. And, and we hope that he'll be part of this uh, community at some point. So you guys should check that out. But um, look out for the stuff about Osiris early in 2018. Sweet. Sounds good. So with that, um, thanks everyone for coming and for hanging out. And obviously stick around for Polyvamp. Um, we're excited to to watch them and to to dance a little bit, and then we should go see the fish band after that. That works. fish playing? Yeah. Oh, tonight? Tonight. Sweet. We didn't have to send anyone up to the cage. Um, we left it open for Brad. So if he happens to show up, we'll, we'll send him up there. But um, thank you all for, for coming and for um, tuning in live. We appreciate it. You guys ready for Polyvamp? Oh, come on. Are you guys ready for Polyvamp? <laughs> That's right. All right, stick around for Polyvamp. All right, thanks, everybody.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Thanks, American Beauty. You guys are lovely. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.